0: Our great God and Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the precious gift of your word. We thank you for inspiring all of scripture uh, by your Holy Spirit. Uh, Help us now, we pray. Help us by your spirit to hear your word well and rightly. Uh, Equip us for every good work. Uh, Help us to see more of your goodness and grace to us in the gospel and transform our lives so that we might live more for your glory. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The Bible reading for today is Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 34. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive. A hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside and told them who was going, what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later he will rise.
1: Good morning and welcome to all of you. Um, I'm glad I can speak to you like this today even though I'm sure we'd all rather be meeting together but at least we can do things this way and I'm a learner, you're a learner but let's see how we get on with this approach. Now, I'd like to begin by praying and I invite you to join me with me in prayer. You won't know the prayer but if you listen to it and want to make it your prayer please join me in saying Amen at the end. So let's pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, have mercy on us, your children. Please forgive our many sins, drive out the darkness from our hearts, and so fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may love what you love and do what you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Uh, We're continuing in our sermon series on the Gospel of Mark, and we've come today to chapter 10. And uh, Duncan has called this passage, Receiving the Kingdom of God. Uh, We're going to come to the passage in a moment, but first of all, I want to reflect with you for a while on exactly what the kingdom of God is. We know it's like a sower sowing seed. We know it's like someone with a lamp who puts it on a stand and so on. We know this from Jesus' parables, but I wonder if you've ever stopped to ask yourself, what exactly is it? That's a slightly different question. And also want to reflect with you on what it means to receive this kingdom of God. Well, the kingdom of God has two main meanings in the Bible. Uh, The first is what I'm going to call the universal meaning of the kingdom of God. And in this sense, the kingdom of God is everything. It's the whole heavens, the whole earth, and we're part of that. And the king is God, the creator. You see that at the very beginning of your Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, where God acts like a king. He gives commands, let there be light, and there is light, let the earth bring forth uh, fruit and uh, animals and so on, and it happens. So he speaks as a king with absolute authority and with infinite power. He not only can command things to happen, he can make them happen. And he does that by his word, by speaking. So there at once, although the expression is not used, kingdom of God, you see uh, that God is the creator of everything and therefore the rightful ruler of everything. And that's what I mean by the kingdom of God in its universal sense. And this is very nicely expressed for us in Psalm 103 and verse 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. So that's quite clear. Uh, As soon as we begin to read the Bible, we're looking at the kingdom of God. In that sense. But there's another sense of the kingdom of God in Scripture. And when the Bible speaks of the kingdom of God in this sense, it's referring to something that not not everyone is in. Some are in it and some are not in it. And we're not automatically in the kingdom of God in this sense by simply being human beings. Uh, because Jesus says in today's passage in Mark chapter 10 that we have to receive the kingdom of God in order to enter it. In verse 15 he says anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God will never enter it. Now what on earth does that mean? Um And that's important we understand that because otherwise we won't understand the passage that we're about to read. Well, you see, a lot of people don't like the idea uh, that God is their creator and their king. And uh, in fact, it's quite abhorrent to them. And they reject the whole idea that they live in God's world and god they're accountable to God for how they live and they ought to obey him and serve him and they just live as though it's not true. Now they may believe that God exists, um, they may be good people, but in reality they just ignore him and his kingdom and they live uh, as they please, as they think best. but to receive the kingdom of God, to so do exactly the opposite of that. It's to say to God, I welcome the truth that you are my creator and my king. And I will be thankful to you. I will worship you and serve you and seek to honour you in my life. And when you say that to God from your heart, you become a member of his kingdom in a different sense. The kingdom of God in this sense is not a place at all. It's a community of people who are in a completely different kind of relationship with God from those who reject him. Now, according to Mark's gospel, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God in this second sense and inviting us to enter into it. And not just inviting us uh, to be part of it, but he came to make it possible for us to be part of it. So Jesus is central to the kingdom of God in this Second sense, we sometimes call him the Messiah, as as Mark does, and that means God's King, God's anointed King, and that can be pretty confusing, can't it? Because is it is the kingdom of God, or is it the kingdom of Jesus? Is God our King? Is Jesus our King? It's really not too hard to understand if you just think of it like going to school. Now, some of you will find it a bit hard to remember when you went to school. <laughs> I can remember it very well, uh, my first day at school, because believe it or not, I was a very shy little boy and I was absolutely terrified at the thought of going to school. But when I went there, I found myself in um, quite a big school, quite a big sort of institution, organization in that sense, and it had what we called then a headmaster. And we were all something in awe of the headmaster. But the headmaster appointed a teacher for my class, you see, and that meant that I couldn't be in a, in, on good terms with the headmaster if I wasn't willing to obey my teacher. And that's no no illustration is perfect, and that one's not perfect. But you see, in a very important sense, uh, Jesus is the person that God sent and appointed to be our teacher. There's no way of being in a right relationship with God without being in a right relationship with Jesus. We can't receive the kingdom of God in that sense without receiving Jesus. Now I hope that's clear because it's going to help us a lot to understand what's going on in our passage today. Um, And the passage uh, is 1 to 34 of Mark chapter 10. It's been read to us and it's got three parts. Now, I'm going to call the first part the way of entering the kingdom of God. Listen as I read to you, verses 13 to 16, the first part. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the little children in his arms and placed his hands on them and blessed them. Now friends, this is not one of the disciples' better moments. In fact, it's a very bad moment in their walk with Jesus because people were bringing little children to Jesus to be blessed by him and his disciples were turning them away. And it says Jesus was indignant. We'd say today he was furious with them because that was not at all his attitude to these people who were bringing their little children. It's not his attitude to the children themselves. The disciples are probably just reflecting the values of their society in their day. But to Jesus, these little children were of tremendous importance and he actually used them to teach his disciples a lesson. He said, you've got to become like one of these little children if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. Now the key question there is, how did these little children enter the kingdom of God? And the answer is strange. And the answer is, they did it without doing anything. You see, because that nothing that happens here is done by the little children themselves. People bring them to Jesus. Jesus takes them in his arms. Jesus lays his hands on them and blesses them. The little children themselves are completely powerless to contribute, they don't do anything. It's all done for them. It's all done to them. And Jesus said, unless you become like that, unless you become like one of these little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Now, my mother lived to 100 years of age. And she was generally in good health, right up to a very, well, pretty much to the end of her life. And, um, but in the last two or three years, she was in a nursing home in Brisbane, and I was living in Sydney. My brother was in Brisbane. He used to see her more frequently than I did. But I would fly up once a month and spend the weekend with her and spend most of the time in that nursing home. And uh, when I was there at bedtime, I'd always want to make sure that she was comfortable and um, tucked in, I used actually sort of tuck her in a bit. And um, I realised that our roles were reversed. You know, I'd become the carer and she'd become like I used to be when I was a little child and I even would, if I was there when it was time for her to go to sleep, I would I'd put my hand on her head and I'd say a little prayer, the very prayer that she used to pray for me when I was a little child. And as I saw this happening, I thought, you know, my mother has become a little child. And I I thought to myself, yes, she has, and she's ready for heaven now. Now, she wasn't ready for heaven because she was a hundred years old. You could be a hundred years old and not be ready for heaven. But you see, she, in a sense, in the most important sense, she'd been like a little child all her life. You see, my mother was very far from perfect, very far from perfect. but She knew she was a sinner uh, and she knew that she couldn't uh, make things right with God by herself. Uh, She knew Jesus had done that for her at the cross and she lived all her life trusting uh, in Jesus for her uh, peace with God. And she never seemed to doubt it. She had up on the wall a text from the book of Deuteronomy. It said, um, the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms, and I used to say to her when she was in that nursing home. Sometimes I'd say, to her, particularly in the evening, Mum, the everlasting, the, the, uh, the eternal God is your refuge, and stop. And she'd say, and underneath are the everlasting arms. You see, <laughs> so I like to think that uh, when my mother died, she died like she died like one of those little children in the arms of Jesus. And Jesus said to his disciples, you've got to become like that if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. You've got to understand your helplessness and your complete dependence on me. So that's that's the way of entering the kingdom of God. You've got to enter it like a little child. The second part of our passage begins in verse 17 and I'm going to call this the difficulty of entering the kingdom of God. This is a fairly long uh, passage and I'm not going to deal with all of it in this uh, talk. But just listen as I read the first part, beginning in verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard, how difficult it is. For the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and they said to each other, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Now this man is the exact opposite of the little children of the previous verses. This, This man has a lot of advantages. He's rich. He has great wealth so he has a lot of buying power matthew tells us he was young so he has energy and probably good health luke tells us he was a ruler so he had status and not only so not only did he have these advantages there's a lot to like about him first of all He comes to Jesus, he comes to Jesus, Um, and he doesn't come to criticise him. He doesn't come to say he's possessed by Beelzebub or something, as others have done. So he comes to Jesus and that's good. He doesn't just come and says he ran to Jesus, that's even better. And he doesn't just run to Jesus, he falls on his knees before him, and that's better still. And then he calls Jesus good teacher. Now, that could be better, but it's not a bad start, is it? You see, this young man had respect for Jesus and he came to him to learn something from him. In other words, this man's a potential disciple of Jesus. We might say he's very close to the kingdom of God and he's not passive, he's very active, he's a person with initiative. We might call him, he's a doer, but you see he's haunted by the thought that he mightn't have done enough. You see, that's always the worry of a doer. He's haunted by that thought. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus could have rebuked him for that. It wasn't the right question, really. But he doesn't. He just takes him at his word and he says, okay, so you want to get into the heaven by doing? Well, here's a list. And he gives him, I think, seven of the Ten Commandments. And the young man says, I've always done those. You know, I've done them since I was very young. And Jesus doesn't accuse him of being a hypocrite. He probably had done them from when he was very young. At least he'd done his very best to do them. This was a morally earnest young man. He was a good man. And Jesus looked at him and says, and it says he loved him. He loved him. But then Jesus, because he loves him, he exposes his real problem, his fatal flaw. He tells him the one critical thing that he lacks. Sell all you have, he says, and give to the poor and then come and follow me. And the young man, when he heard that, he walked away sad because he couldn't do it. And why couldn't he do it? Well, he couldn't do it because he already had another God, you see. I think it's probably better to say another God had him. And perhaps it wasn't so much his wealth, but his addiction to it. He couldn't give it up because it's taken the place of God in his life. And so he'd broken the very first commandment, which says, you shall have no other gods but me. So that was his problem. He couldn't accept the kingship of God. He was rich, but he couldn't buy his way in. He was a doer, but he couldn't do his way in. And he couldn't submit to the kingship of God that he'd encountered in Jesus because he was already addicted to another God. And so he walked away and he walked away sadly because I think deep down he knew he was doing the wrong thing. And I think Jesus probably looked very sadly at him as he walked away. This young man can't and doesn't enter the kingdom of God. For all his goodness, he remains outside the kingdom of God. And so Jesus says to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the Kingdom of God. Um, It's very hard for very wealthy people to become like little children. It's hard for rich and good people to admit they're helpless before God. So they keep trying to do their way into the Kingdom of God, but they never can because that's not the way in. And so this young man walked away. And it's a very sad, tragic ending to that story, or at least that part of his story. Well, that brings us to the last part of our passage, beginning in verse 12, and I'm going to call this the, uh, the price of entering the kingdom of God. So we've had the way of entering the kingdom of God, the difficulty of entering the kingdom of God, and now we come to the price of entering the kingdom of God. Just listen. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later... He will rise. Jesus used little children to teach his disciples about helplessness, about their own helplessness. He used the Ten Commandments to teach the rich young ruler about his helplessness. But the fact of the matter is, we need more than teaching. And we need more than a good teacher, even a very good teacher. And that's why Jesus here in this last part of our passage is going to Jerusalem. He's going there to do something about their helplessness, people like this young man. And in verse 45 of this chapter, he tells us, what it was that he had to do. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. A ransom was a price that had to be paid to set a slave or a debtor free. And the person who paid it for them was called a redeemer. Or ransomer. You see, people like a slave or a debtor in those days were helpless to save themselves. They couldn't do anything about their situation. They needed someone to fix it for them. And that's why Jesus speaks to his disciples in the closing part of this chapter about his approaching death and resurrection. You see, Jesus was a good teacher. The young man was right about that. But the fact of the matter is that we sinners need more than a good teacher. We need a Redeemer. And God sent Jesus to be that for us. And that meant going to Jerusalem, it meant going to the cross and going through everything that that involved and then rising again. There was no way to the resurrection. There was no way of doing what he had to do without the cross. When when God, uh, God the Father asked Jesus to do that impossibly hard thing for you and me, he didn't walk away. He went to Jerusalem to do it. You see, the only way to enter the kingdom of God is not by our doing, but by what Jesus has done. It's not by achieving, it's by receiving. And God has provided a redeemer for us. Jesus has already paid the price for us to enter the kingdom of God. But we can't enter it without receiving Jesus. We can't receive the kingdom of God without receiving him as our redeemer. And we can't do that if we walk away when he asks us to follow him. Now the disciples saw that young man with all his advantages, wealth and moral achievement, walk away. And they said, If people like him can't be saved, who can? And Jesus said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. I love that. (laughs) I'm so glad that verse is in this passage. And I dare to hope that although that young man walked away from God, God didn't walk away from him, but did the impossible and saved him. I don't know that's what happened, but I, I'm daring to hope that it did because it certainly could have. I hope that I might meet that young man in heaven one day. But let me ask you this, will I meet you there? You see, I dare to hope that too. I I certainly hope I will meet you there. Some of you have had one or more of your children walk away from God. And I've experienced that that pain. I know what that feels like. I've experienced that pain myself. And I want to say to you this morning, if that's happened and you have a heavy heart about it, don't despair. Keep loving them and praying for them because nothing is impossible with God. And some of you may have had or still have a mother or a father or friends who prayed for you for years and years and years. And this could be the day when their prayers are answered, if you are willing, because nothing is impossible with God. But please don't walk away. I'm going to pray, and again, I invite you to to join with me. O oh God, our Heavenly Father, you know the people we have on our hearts at this moment. The vulnerable, the sick, the anxious, and especially those who do not have the hope that we have in Christ. Please have mercy upon them, Father. Please protect, comfort, heal and restore them. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen.